I'm Marcia Clements. I'm the Executive Director for the Oncology Service Line for Solution Health. And I originally came to take this position back in February of 2020 with the opportunity to build out a new cancer center inclusive of medical oncology and radiation oncology that was being built at one of our hospitals. And so when I joined, one of my first tasks was to build a nurse navigation program from scratch to help meet the needs of these two patient populations that were coming together. This group had historically worked together, but they were located about 15 minutes apart. And so we were bringing them together to have more of that seamless care for our patients. So when we originally started, I onboarded two oncology nurse navigators who were experienced in the field in July of 2020 with the anticipation of our opening date of August 3rd. And so we started with two general oncology nurse navigators for the program. And what we quickly discovered is that wasn't going to be enough. We started the program by tracking five of the AONN metrics. First one was caseload by disease, because our ultimate goal, of course, was to get to some disease-specific navigation for our patients. We were looking at the number of encounters that each navigator was having and what types of encounters to determine workload. We were looking at how long it took for us to have our initial consult with our patients to getting them to their treatment. We were trying to understand what types of barriers our patients were encountering. So we are in an in inner city in New Hampshire. So we were trying to understand how many barriers the patients were having and then whom we had for resources to refer them to. And then we ended up adding on a metric of identifying patients for survivorship because we were really struggling with getting those patients into that survivorship visit for our COC accreditation. So we had anticipated that we were going to lose some patients out of this medical oncology practice when they joined, and we did not. So the navigators got very busy very quickly. And what we decided to do was have them meet every new patient moving forward, not picking up established patients of this medical oncology practice so that it would be a clean start to the program. By October of 2020, we added a third navigator and started to get more disease specific. So I hired a breast navigator and then we divided up the remaining diseases between the other two navigators. And then by May of 2021, we added our fourth, which is our current complement of oncology nurse navigators for this program. We were able to collect enough data to show the more acute diseases so that we could separate them. So one navigator does lung and melanoma. One navigator does breast and GYN to keep the women's cancers together. One navigator does head and neck and GU. And then my final navigator does GI and malignant heme. So we have found that this is actually a pretty sustainable model for these four individuals. And they're all averaging about 70 active patients on treatment, which seems to be one, an equitable workload across the four of them, but one that's not overwhelming because we've taken the four most acute diseases and separated them. I think what's really important for the success of this program is one that I have metrics that I can report out on really monthly to see where we're at and see if we have to make any changes in real time. There's a lot of excitement around this program because the navigators have been so invested and involved in these patients 
and the patients have given us a lot of really great positive feedback about their experiences of having one point person to go across their journey. And we have had a um, best practice that has come out of this with really having the navigators form relationships with the surgeons. And so in our thoracic program, we have a surgeon who's very invested in this program and any time he has a malignant finding, he is tagging the navigator in. So she's making contact with the patient well before they ever hit their medical oncology appointment, which has really decreased anxiety and really created a very seamless transition for these patients going from practice to practice. And you can see that there's not a lot of things being dropped because she's involved so far upstream. And then she follows them straight through their medical oncology and radiation oncology journey and then right into survivorship. So, so far it's been really successful for us. This is Andy Dwyer with University of Colorado Cancer Center and the School of Public Health. I'm also the National Navigation Roundtable Chair and uh, on the steering committee for the Prevention and Outreach Subcommittee and Task Force with the AONN Network. And I would have to say, I, I love what you're talking about is really from using those metrics and the sustainability. You know, I like you started a program. Uh, and Marcia, how long has it been since you've had your program? I mean, you guys really just started implementing this in the last couple of years. Is that right? Yeah, our two-year anniversary will be August of this year. Awesome. Well, and, and like you, I've been thinking for our statewide program that we have for the Medically Underserved, which is a screening program that works with almost 100 clinical sites, we've been really thinking for the last 15 years about how do we really help show that sustainability through the metrics and those outcomes. And I do think like the metrics toolkit, thinking about what's in the literature around evaluation and metrics is key because I'm with you is that ultimately if we don't really think about what are those established metrics, if we're not evaluating and if we're not really kind of coming back to look at those outcomes, we really can't understand what our program is doing and how it's really serving the community. I think the patient satisfaction, you know, we're seeing amazing, even for screening work around great results in terms of show rates, quality bowel preparation for our cancer screening, colorectal screening, uh, navigation, ability to have a full exam for patients. So I'm with you looking at those metrics and evaluating has got to be a key part of that sustainability moving ahead. Marcia, I think with the work that you've done right now in terms of looking at those outcomes, I'm just wondering, we are using this to demonstrate to our clinic systems the value, you know, to show that patient retention and the quality. You said something about that that I was also curious about. You said something about, you know, you were worried patients were going to be leaving or looking at different models, but you've actually seen a lot of patient retention in your work too, haven't you? Yeah, so it's really interesting when this medical oncology practice joined us, they were a practice-based medical oncology group. And then because they were joining us in the hospital, they became hospital-based. And so that's a shift in billing. And so we were originally thinking we were going to lose people that way, just because of that change in their care. But what we found is we have, because we have medical oncology and radiation oncology together, we get a lot of external referrals in just for the radiation oncology from other medical oncology departments. And um, we've actually seen patients switch care over to us because it's so much more convenient and they've met that navigator in our cancer center, even though they're only coming for radiation. So that was one of the charges that we gave them to meet every new consult that came in, regardless of which department they were hitting. And patients really have appreciated that because then they have that one person who knows them and their story that they can go to 
and they don't have to keep repeating themselves and it's just more seamless care for them. Yeah, I would agree. Like we've had the same experience with our navigators place within primary care even is that idea that we had someone who helped them through the cancer screening journey for colon screening and now they're more apt to get breast cancer screening or cervical screening or maybe even getting their family in for more routine family checks and wellness because I think you're right, like establishing that connection with a provider and that navigator has been super key for us too in terms of patient satisfaction, holding patients to the model. And I think on some level, it's shown some really strong outcomes in terms of return on, not that it's always a money generating sort of situation, but ultimately we're definitely seeing less expenditures and hospitalizations or emergency or acute care, more preventive services, but we're also seeing more of the utilizer of the primary care systems and our folks not losing money to those no-shows and to a number of the things. So I think what's like interesting about what you're talking about, and I was really listening to that component, is, is that really understanding those evaluation and how do we monitor those metrics and think about those workflows, like it's made a difference in how we kind of view navigation and then what the impact is for patients on quality, which also then really serves the bottom line. But those, those metrics have also been super helpful for us to be able to demonstrate that having that navigator is part of our team-based care. So docs, nurses, because we do a lot of lay navigation, that adding that person, it allows everyone else to work at the top of the licensure. And you know their role is really dedicated to working with the patients, but being able to show those satisfaction, adherence to care, keeping patients connected. And you said in your group, that one-stop shop and they've already established that and they're not repeating and kind of have developed rapport. We've had the very same experience that it's served us really well and the clinic systems are reaping the benefit of that, even from the fiscal side, which has been great. Yeah, I think, you know, it's always so interesting. I'm a nurse by training. And so nurse navigation just makes sense to me. It doesn't, you don't have to sell me on it. It, it logically makes sense, right? And when you're talking to administration, really trying to flip that conversation so they can understand the value because it's not a revenue generating position has been a good exercise for me in my own professional development, right? Because it's, it's such a valuable resource and it's hard, like you said, to really get those metrics to show that impact that they're having in really streamlining care, breaking down barriers, making sure patients have timely access to care. You know, something so silly as, um, they're doing a lot of work catching appointments that are scheduled in the wrong order, right? So the patient has a doctor's appointment to discuss the results of a scan that hasn't been done yet. And so they're doing a lot of that work as well so that that patient doesn't have a hiccup in their care. Their scan gets done first and they see the doctor and they move forward. So it's, they're so engaged in the work that it's an easy program to manage for me because they're just so invested in it. And the patients have such great outcomes because of their interventions. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. And we were able to carve out patient satisfaction questions specific to nurse navigation to show the value from the patient side, because people were just assuming that some of our scores went up because of navigation, which wasn't necessarily true. So we were able to carve that out, which is really exciting. I have a couple months of that data. Yeah, that is uh, super amazing. And I think one of the things that you had mentioned that I actually thought was super interesting is, you know, because I think a lot of the sustainability framework we've been talking about has a lot of different tenets to it. And so we know that like the evaluation and monitoring and those metrics are super helpful, but we also talk a little bit about how does that yield to funding sustainability? 
partnerships, communications, how do we adapt our program? So we've been thinking a little bit about that holistically. And you know, we've had almost 15, 17 years of utilizing this information and how are we having our clinics thinking about sustaining these navigators even after our grant dollars are gone or how do we utilize this work? So you know, we've been talking a little bit about this like sustainability framework in general. So far, I think we've done a good job of capturing those outcome metrics, showing that case for how the addition of the team of a lay navigator has added even funding sustainability, but even that, you know, kind of what are those partnerships and those kind of environmental supports? One of the things that you said I thought was like key is the providers really making that connection and being part of those referrals and seeing the value. You know, one of the biggest things is when we started our statewide screening program for the work, I mean, navigation was kind of a happy accident, but a lot of the GI docs basically said, unless people show up, we're not going to be able to move into your program. There's a lot of no-shows, particularly in the medically underserved communities coming from safety hospitals and clinics. We really need to you to assure us that people are going to really show up. And so I think with all, a lot of the work that had been done in the nursing community, Dr. Freeman's work, we really started thinking about that adaption of preventive screening navigation and really added in the deployment of funding navigators to do this work. And it wasn't really even interestingly a part of our plan, but when the GI docs and others said, you're going to make sure that that happens, an entire evidence-based practice, which was emerging at the time, I mean, we really did implement it into our work to make sure that if we are paying for colonoscopy and treatment, people would really show up for those exams. And what's been interesting to me over this period of time is now some of our biggest advocates are even outside of the primary care system are those GI practices and GI docs who talk about the function of the navigator, how it's really helped cohesion between primary care and specialty care. And one of our biggest champion and allies are our GI providers and GI systems you know, really talking about role and function. So we've been always talking a little bit about how do we help us maybe a kind of a co-supported effort for our navigation efforts, because they're also seeing stronger show rates, the opportunity for patients to really show up prepared and the like. It's interesting when you said that about the, the docs and making those referrals in, I think once people start to see how well this works and you can show those metrics and they see how it impacts bottom line, the patient satisfaction, really getting that back to those individuals and having them champion that. I think it's been one of the biggest things to help keep our program. And I heard you say that as well. I thought it was a really cool point. It's so exciting. You know, I often wonder if I have to put a little bit more boundaries around it, because I feel like the thoracic surgeon in my scenario is probably like the same as your GI dog. He loves the navigator so much. He almost pulled her in too early. So there's been times where he's like, oh, this is definitely a suspicious finding. So he'll pull her in and it turns out to be non-malignant. And she's like, well, thank you. So it's been really, it's such a great partnership. But we've sometimes had to been like, okay, well, maybe we need to be a little bit clearer about when you pull her in so that she's not, you know, going down this rabbit hole. But it's been such a great program to watch evolve. And I, you know, when you have people that are that passionate and they own their work and feel empowered to do this work, it really almost runs itself. And I took that model for the cancer patients and actually just adopted it into genetics and high risk. So I've hired a nurse to really do that access point for our patients because we have so many women that I know we're missing that are either high risk negative or high risk and really need that genetic testing to be informed to make 
decisions about their care. And even with the month and a half she's been working with us, our capture rate has gone up exponentially. Yeah. So it's really exciting to watch. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's one of the things is even when our, you know, our framework program adaptation, I mean, we've done the same thing as even within the cancer population screening, thinking about Lynch syndrome, hereditary breast and ovarian cancer, and seeing that come in families, whether you're on the diagnosis side or on the prevention side. I mean, we've done that as well as thinking about that role and where does navigation fit. I think that's huge. I, it's interesting because on both the prevention and oncology navigation side, it's totally part of that. You know, and one of the things we're really interested in, I know, is like taking this information from the last 15 years and growing to shield funders or state legislature, policymakers, and even groups with AONN support, the National Navigation Roundtable, to think about how we're talking about sustainability. So hopefully we'll still see stronger reimbursement, whether that's lay navigation, nurse navigation, social work, um, to be able to make that case and show that value. So I'm really excited, you know, when we're thinking about it, it's never too early or too late to talk about sustainability, but like even at the programmatic level, I do think from our institution and clinics, we now have over a hundred clinic sites that we have data from the last 15 years to show this is an evidence-based practice that needs to have stronger reimbursement and policy measures so we can sustain this work. And I think particularly around the medically underserved. So I'm excited that we're really kind of nearing an era where we're moving that and I, I think it's super exciting. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think, you know, my challenge has been that navigation looks a little bit different depending on where you go. And I think that this is for us in our community where we sit, there's a lot of oncology programs around us and it really has been our differentiator. And I think that's truly why the patients are coming because in community cancer, you know, it's pretty standard site to site, but if you can really build up those support services for those patients, that's how you're going to draw your people in. And from the day we started, these girls have done a phenomenal job making sure that patient doesn't fall through the cracks in what can be a very scary time, overwhelming time, and they have their advocate right there with them. So I think it's made a world of difference for our program. Yeah, I would agree. I really love having this conversation today. This is great. I could talk about sustainability and our evaluation and metrics all day. This is fun, Marcia. Yeah, I think where our program is so new, I'm really excited to start getting into the screening aspect of cancer care because I think it's a huge opportunity for us in our program to enhance those. I think we do a phenomenal job with our lung screening and our mammos, and we have a world of opportunity with our colonoscopies and our skin screening. So I'll be sure to reach back out to you. <laughs> For sure. Great partnerships. Thanks guys. Yeah.